The Grim Drive podcast explores mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. Pro athletes come forward more and more with stories about their mental health journey, what they have endured, and how they manage to push through, reflecting a mental health stigma that continues to be reduced. Pro athletes also leverage mindset to achieve peak performance, as well as representing and often driving elements of popular culture through the use of social media, technology, and personal branding. This places athletes front and center as role models for people of all ages, giving them a platform to reach many and deliver important information, including information about mental health. Welcome to the Grim Drive Podcast, where we explore mental health through the lens of professional sports and athletes. My name is Jonathan Busfield. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, John Cuna. Today, we'll be discussing interviews and fan behavior. We're also going to be covering two athletes, uh, for the most part, two athletes in this episode, uh, those being Naomi Osaka and Kyrie Irving. But we figured we'd kind of focus the title of the episode more on the concepts, which we might do a little bit more moving forward. We'll see how people react to that. Um, We want to make sure that... You know, we're not burying the lead uh, by just putting player names. And sometimes we're talking about stuff that, uh, you know, concepts or, or themes that kind of extend beyond sports or beyond the player. And we want to make sure we cover those or get people to to be aware that those are the things we'll be covering in the episode. Before we get to the, to the specifics about this episode today, I just wanted to uh, uh, to mention that we did cross the 1,000 download mark, uh, which we're, yeah, we're very Boom. proud about that. Boom. Um, it took a lot of hard work. And I know 1,000 downloads is probably not much compared to these other you know major podcasts but i'm, I'm very it's proud big of that. For us. Yeah, yeah it's big for us yeah. it's hard to do um and you know I, I made a joke on social media about channeling andy dufresne uh, from the shawshank <laughs> in terms of uh yeah. now i'm gonna write two letters a week uh, yeah. instead of one we're gonna try to get to ten thousand downloads next mm-hmm. i think we can do it uh we certainly feel like we're gaining momentum we're starting to get some new listeners from different places that yeah. are kind of reaching out and mentioning that they heard of us from this or from this person or whatever and that they liked specific episodes. And it's always interesting to see who likes which episode. But yep. um, have you gotten any feedback from people? Yeah. I mean, that's been that they've really enjoyed the, enjoyed the podcast and things like that. It's nice to, I mean, it's it's always fun. And this has been happening more recently of like us hearing from people who aren't part of our like friend group yeah, or family yeah, group or yeah. things like that. Random people reaching out who we don't know. Yes. That's, that's been kind of a fun thing. Uh, wanting to know more or wanting to connect or all those different things that's been happening more. So, uh, it's been certainly exciting. And uh, like you said, a thousand doesn't seem like a big deal, but it is. It's yeah. a big deal yeah. for us because we've never done this before. So it's nice to, um, it's nice to have that yeah. checked off. Absolutely. And so, so for today's episode, we're going to get into, um, you know, interview, interviews with players and, and fan behavior in general. Those are the two concepts we're going to cover. You know, obviously with Naomi Osaka, I think by the time our episode airs, this this topic will be um, kind of buried into the ground, mm-hmm. like, you know, just by everybody talking about it. Um, so, it might be old news and that's okay. We still think we have uh, kind of a unique perspective to, mm-hmm. to take on this and want to make sure we cover it for that reason. So, to, just to give an update on what happened in case anyone didn't hear, Naomi, Naomi Osaka is a, a, a female tennis player and at some point in the, I think was it the French Open? Yep. French Open, she... Uh, basically refused to do interviews, refused to speak to the media. And I think like a lot of other sports we see, it's kind of in their contract. They have these TV deals and they kind of have to do that. Mm-hmm. And when a player uh, refuses, they often get fined in some kind of way um, by the, you know, by the league, by the governing body, that kind of thing. Uh, I believe, um, you know, 
the the tennis association or whatever it is that you know basically threatened her. They were gonna they find her and they said like we're gonna kick you out of the tournament if you don't do it. She then withdrew from the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know obviously I think this was a combination of things. And from what she said, it, it was about you know her own anxiety with regard to giving interviews or public speaking or both, right? That kind of thing, as well as feeling like I believe she mentioned that she's not. Her quote was, "I'm not gonna subject myself to people who doubt me." Um, so there, you know, I think there's a lot going on there, and it. it Clearly, it seemed to me that it was genuine because it wasn't like if she had planned it out, I think it would have been she probably would have done it better or mm-hmm. differently. Um, this seemed like it was much more of a impromptu kind of like I'm just feeling overwhelmed, like I'm not doing it kind of thing. I'm going to focus on tennis. Yeah. Um, obviously, she could have done a little bit of a better job with that, but there's a lot going on here. We also, I think it's it's good to mention to people to check out our third episode, the one on Serena Williams. Um, where we get into you know some of the hurdles that female athletes, particularly female athletes of color have to yeah. deal with when it comes to being treated differently than their male counterparts mm-hmm. or being treated differently than their white female counterparts. Um, you know, I think that definitely applies here because in that episode, we even covered how not only Serena, but also Naomi Osaka has been, um, you know, treated quite unfairly by, by the media and by fans. And I don't think it's always uh, even across the board in terms of how fans treat specific athletes or how the media treats specific athletes. Yeah, so, I mean, look, I mean, her introduction to like the tennis world was beating like her big moment, her big one of her big first moments was beating Serena. Right. And she was booed. She was booed. She we was talked booed about for that, it, yes. right? Like yeah. she got heavily booed. And, yeah. and I mean, that must have been an unbelievably, I mean, again, can't just, can't speculate and maybe she was fine, but burying her hands in her, burying her head in yeah. her hands yeah. like would indicate that she felt pretty shitty about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's not a, that's that's a that's a tough way to be entered into that, yeah. the whole that whole world. So yeah, and she's not. I mean, a lot of these athletes are not incredibly old, right? They're mm-hmm. mostly young. Yeah. Um. I, I know I, we've said this before. I think in different episodes, but if if you know if I had to deal with the social media stuff that young people, even non athletes, have to deal with these days, when I was young, forget about it. I would have made some catastrophic mistakes. And then you factor in the pressure and the attention and the spotlight that these young athletes have to deal with. I mean, it's yeah. it's a different animal. I think people that haven't done it before struggle to actually empathize, understand what that's like yeah. from, uh, on a consistent basis to always have the microphone in your face. I think this also, like, to me, there's a parallel here because she mentioned, like, you know, I think her and a lot of athletes have mentioned uh, the topic here that, that started to kind of come to the surface is basically, like, how do, does do sports, any sports, sports in general, have to change the overlap between the sport and the athlete and the media? And one of the, the ways that sh- that surfaces that topic is some people suggest that interviews should not happen right after the game. And that relates to what we talk about with parents, right? One of the things we talk to parents about a lot is like, don't rehash every element. Timing, of the timing, game. timing. Yeah, timing is so yeah. key, right? Timing and the nature of your delivery and the nature of the of the specific kid or athlete in terms of how they receive coaching. Those mm-hmm. all think those things all matter very mm-hmm. much. Um, timing matters. So if a parent goes and like, you know, harps on their kid five minutes after the game's over, the kid's going to be harder on themselves than anybody else. Right. They're probably not going to receive that. This is sort of similar where it's like you're asking an athlete, um, you know, whether – especially when they lost but also when they won, they, they pick them apart. They do – that's what the media's job is right after the match or the game. Is that really beneficial to everyone? I don't know. What do you think? No, I don't. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I've sort of seen and especially in this process here too, I haven't heard too many athletes – talk about it this way, but it's just been something I've been really curious about of 
you know, the media sees athletes as like products, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really see them as an individual person. Mm-hmm. They see them as like something that's going to make me money. I'm going to write an article about this interview or these questions or mm-hmm. whatever it happens to be. And I'm going to get clicks and I'm going to get compensation for that, right? They're not seen as like a human person that they're looking at. And mm-hmm. I think that's a big a big issue with the sort of like how media is structured. And when you constantly, if you're an athlete and you're constantly in a seat answering questions and most of the time, media knows what sells and what doesn't. They're not looking for, you know, good news about the person. They're only, they're usually looking to break them down and tear them apart. Um, that, because that sells. And when, if you're, if you're being subjected to that constantly of someone trying to get something from you for their own benefit, that's incredibly like validating yeah, and dehumanizing. Yeah. And you can see why a lot of athletes have big major issues about having to do those press yeah. conferences, especially after a loss. The last thing that you want to do as an athlete and is to like go and talk to somebody about how terrible you feel, right? And I, I can remember from one of my experiences back in college, we my the four by four relay in my my freshman year, we were ranked really high and we didn't perform the way that we should have. And right after, I like sat in solitude for probably like 10 minutes. I cannot imagine having to go sit in front of a bunch of microphones talking to people where I'm not... I'm definitely not present for that conversation. I'm off in my own head, beating myself up, tearing myself apart, all that different stuff. Yeah, yeah. The last thing that I want to do is try to talk to somebody who clearly has no real thought and really does not care about how I'm doing. Right. They're really just trying to extract information so that they can serve their own purpose. And I, that's that's a real issue that needs to be that needs to be talked about. And I, I don't you know I don't necessarily know what the if there's if there's a solution to it other than just not having media coverage for mm-hmm. like post game or interviews. And it's not just with athletes too. Like you see it um, with coaches, like mid game interviews that they have to do like during the games. I can imagine not a single coach yeah. in any league wants to be talking yeah. to an interviewer yeah. about, about something. They'd rather be spending that time talking to their team about what they need to yeah. do or how they need to change or all those different yeah. things. It's just, it's, it's this weird balance of athletics and money. Um, because the media is there to help make money and athletes are there to perform, have fun and do well. And that's a, th- those are sort of in contradiction to one another. And it's, it's a real, it's a real challenge. Yeah. It's interesting because sometimes it's like, you can tell there's some me- members of the media who ask those questions, like really intent. You can just tell they're yeah. trying to like dig and yeah. get, get under a person's skin, yeah. get them to react because yep. it's sens- sensationalism sells. Yep. And then other times, I mean, we'll get to Kyrie in the second part of this episode about fan behavior and stuff like that. But at other times, they're like, I don't think anyone asked him about stepping on the logo. And so, like, there are times when, like, there's a clear-cut, like, softball question and Mm -hmm. no one asks it. So, like, I I see both sides where it's like sometimes you have these reporters that dig intentionally to get the sensational thing that's going to sell, clickbait, headlines, that kind of thing. You have other times where it's like the question that needs to be asked. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's like the responsible journalistic approach to mm-hmm. ask it isn't asked. So I see a little bit of both in that. And I'm going to play devil's advocate on this one because I'm I I agree with you that it's not a good thing. It's certainly not good for the player. And yet the reason why these people make all this money with these sports is because of the media and because fan they have TV deals, they have sponsorship deals mm-hmm. because of the the expectations of the TV uh, networks and the sponsors. They expect these interviews to happen and they have decided that if they don't happen, it hurts their bottom line in terms of what they're paying for. Mm-hmm. So, it's all part of that marketing business yeah. machine and without that, it doesn't run the same way. Um, now, I don't know. For for someone who's not 
they're all, these companies and these TV networks are obviously biased towards themselves. Whether they're accurate or not in terms of how much they would lose out financially if they didn't have interviews, I have no idea. Right. I can't imagine it being that much. I think maybe it, there's just people are averse to change a little bit and this is the way they've always done it. Yeah. Because I don't think – I actually think there's a way to be creative and do things differently that might actually make it more entertaining right. and less harsh on the athletes. Um, and yet, I also understand like from a business perspective, they're spending a ton of money. TV networks for these deals and uh, and sponsorships – these the companies that sponsor, they might have expectations like, no, like we, we don't want an, uh, an interview the next day. No one's going to care about that. Mm-hmm. And the news cycle is way less than 24 hours. So, there's some there's yeah. some merit to that, I think. Mm-hmm. That if you do an, uh, an athlete interview about a game on that happened on Tuesday, but you do it on Wednesday, I don't know. People are going to be focused on what's happening Wednesday. So, um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, I think it just plays into the sensationalism that you talked about. Like, they want, they, the media wants to try to capture that emotion in an effort to sort of be like, well, we're showing the the athlete. Um, I just don't know if there's if there's it just it doesn't seem like it's a balanced piece. If an athlete's saying like, hey, I really just don't want to have this interview. I'm not in a space to do this. I'll talk when I'm feeling a little bit better. There's there's a harsh punishment for that, right? Like most, I think most most athletes are fined if they're not mm-hmm, if they don't mm-hmm. participate in media or things like that. And I just don't see that as a I just don't see that as a benefit. I also, again, I'm speaking out of my world. I don't work in the world of marketing. So, I'd be really curious if an athlete doesn't do an interview, how much money they're actually losing. I don't know. Right? Yeah. I can't yeah. imagine they're losing millions and millions yeah. of dollars on that. Um, and especially if an athlete's like, look, I don't feel comfortable doing this and then being fine to do that and then saying, coming back and saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm losing, I'm lo- like we're hemorrhaging money now because of that. I have a hard time believing that. It's hard to know because it's like right. I, I can see them saying – Look, the raw interview stuff sells because it's it it goes more viral on social media, right. and that virality or whatever right. the word is uh, leads to more s- sales of sponsorships and things yep. like that because the numbers are up. Sure, is that worth it for for I don't know because like oh if you zoom out like I don't know I mean I, I think you'd rather have players in a good place, mm-hmm. um, and I do think like if you look at I don't want to bring up like Barstool as some shining beacon necessarily, but like if you look at the way they get creative and use humor. To me, it's like you don't have to, uh, you know, totally copy that. But like having something where you bring in like instead of just doing the typical like let's try to piss off this athlete after a loss as much as possible. If you could get creative and bring some humor or something else into the post-game process, I feel like that would even be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of different ways people could go. Uh, leagues could go. And athletes could negotiate to do this thing, these types of things a little bit differently. Maybe have other athletes ask questions. I mean, like, there's different things you could do. I think that would help. I do think it needs a bit of an overhaul. I think the overlap is kind of um, it doesn't work anymore. I think in the player empower uh, player empowerment era and uh, in the social media player as a platform kind of era, I just don't think it matches up anymore. And they yeah. have more control and power. And you can shift more toward uh, the, the the media overlap with sports needs to reflect where things actually are a little bit more. And I don't think the post game. That type of style format really does anymore. No, right? athletes don't need the media anymore to like yeah. have their voices yeah. heard. They don't need their, especially in the NBA. Especially, I would say yeah. like I don't know about tennis, but yeah, right. They don't they don't need it anymore. Yeah. They have all these athletes have their own have their own platforms now to be able to say what what they want to say and when they want to say. Yeah. So uh, one thing that's that's interesting too, and of course, like I'm a little bit more biased, but from if I was sort of in a marketing standpoint. And I wanted to have the best product, right? Because I do think that they see these athletes, especially the ones that they sponsor, they see them as products to make them money and they mm-hmm. want them to be performing mm-hmm. the best to make them the most money. If that included allowing for them to pull back from media coverage in order to be a better product mm-hmm. or performer so that their, their performance is going to go up, they're going to be feeling better, they're going to be doing better from a marketing standpoint, I would actually want that, mm-hmm. right? So being able to pull back from the things that are clearly deterring and 
taking away from the athlete being able to perform the way they want to or at their best ability, if that's holding them back and causing, you know, with Naomi, she's talked about like depression and anxiety, trying to play a tennis match with that stuff going on. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that would be very easy to do. Mm -hmm. And from a media standpoint, I would want to see the best product on the, on the tennis court. And if that included removing the barriers that are going to get in the way, I can't, I guess I, again, I'm obviously biased because I'm geared way towards mental health mm-hmm. and marketing and things like that. But that seems to be a better solution of yeah. how can we help these people feel that they are confident going out with what they're doing without any of these hindrances or barriers to hold them back. And how can I, as a you know manager or marketing person, help to do that? I feel like that would be a far better approach to trying to get the most out of people. And again, it would... It sort of serves both purposes. It yeah. helps the athlete feel like they're in control of their own life mm-hmm. and not having to be, you know, predicated to all these different things and do all this different stuff they don't want to do. And they would perform better, which would increase their product, like be a better product and help the, and help those firms out. So I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm kind of thinking out loud here too, but I just, something like you said, something needs to shift because it's not the same. It doesn't reflect what it needs. Players did need to have media to get their voices heard before social well, media. So this is a this good is point. All different things now. Yeah, I want, I want to touch on that because I think one thing as you were talking that that it made me think of is like there's a massive difference now. Not just we've talked about how the the, the player player empowerment player as platform kind of thing has shifted stuff, but also if you look at like I would guess in generations past when social media wasn't so prevalent that if you ask a, you know if you get asked a couple negative post game questions it's like. I can handle that. But in the social media era, era, I think there's two reasons why that's almost unfair. One is because the second you're asked those questions, it's broadcasted across social media and you are vilified yeah. to- like exponentially, right? Yeah, right. And then two, even outside of those interviews, the amount of crap these, these players deal with, with people online. And like, yes, we could all sit here and say like, we'll just ignore it. We all know that's easier said than done. And they, they are responsible for le- – we're going to get to this – for learning how to do that, I think, a little bit better. But – Way easier said than done. So they're already dealing with that type of negativity and toxicity online, mm-hmm. on social media all day long. Now you have this like the media generating these like viral softball kind of negative paint them in a bad light questions. Right. I mean, we're almost just asking them too for too much here, I think, to the detriment of the athlete. And I think that's what you're talking about, where it's right. just it's not going to benefit anybody in the end. No. Um one thing I want to talk about real quick before we get to Kyrie is that athletes do sort of until it shifts, right? Hopefully maybe we just shift it so that this isn't needed. But until then, I think athletes need coaching on on mental health, emotional management, media interaction. And I kind of think who stands out to me is like uh Popovich, Brady, Belichick, guys like that, uh, people like that who I'm sure there's others who know how to handle the media. Like to me, it's about what are you trying to achieve? I think a lot of, a lot of people, when you're just focused on being a human, you come into this type of media interview. And I think the expectation is like, you'll get asked normal questions or that the people care about you or, but we have to remove those expectations. Right. Like you said, they have an agenda, yeah. right? And it's often taught to make you look good. And so if you look at the way Belichick, Brady, Popovich, they're kind of different, kind of similar. Popovich is the halftime question where he just like one word answers. Mm -hmm. So, he doesn't get fined. He's Mm -hmm. not saying anything either. So, he's like, you're going to make me do this stupid interview? Fine. Here you go. Yes. No. No. Yes. Done. Right? Yeah. Technically, he followed the letter of the law. (laughs) He did what he was supposed to. Um, There's no reason someone like Naomi Osaka can't do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because she wouldn't get fined. And I think that doesn't mean she has to do that. But I think people need to get coached on this to understand, like, what are you trying to achieve? You don't have to answer all those questions. And if you answer them with just the generic kindness, respect, you know, five words, whatever, and get out of there as quick as possible. That's I know if I was coaching an athlete, that's what I would say, mm. right? Be like, 
Thank you for your question. I'll give that some more thought, but sure. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Just generic stuff that you're not saying yes or no to anything. You're mm-hmm. just kind of being respectful, thanking them for their questions, and then kicking the can down the road. I mean, Brady does that to a T. Like, if you ever watched him do interviews, I haven't seen him as much recently, but when he's on the Patriots, obviously, he's just positive about everything. He doesn't really get into much. He sort of has non-answers for everything. And it's like an art form in terms of not exposing yourself to negativity, not really creating news cycles around your name, but filling your requirements and being kind to people. To me, that's the way to go. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think, again, I kind of think it's a balance. I think, yes, I think that we're athletes and i think most for the most part they do have some sort of like public relations like training for most teams i think they have it even in college they yeah. have them too i think they they definitely cover some of those things but it's also like we're creating a solution to a problem that shouldn't exist right so like we're we're trying to help athletes manage something that shouldn't need to be managed in the first place and so that's a, you know it's two separate issues that yes i think we still need to continue to coach athletes on how to manage these things because it is still the reality that they have to go with with naomi i think it's a little bit different because yes could she have gone to the interview and been like yes no yes no and been sort of like stoic and shut off and cold certainly but i think from what i've read about what she had said and what she did say was that even like going to that interview was going to be really, really difficult. And even that experience of being subjected to Mm -hmm. most likely people asking about her mental health and asking about all these different really personal questions that she didn't really want to get into. I I see that as like, she shouldn't have to be subjected to that. And I I get that her requirements are to, right? Right. Exactly. Well, yeah, we can get into that in a sec. But what I was going to say was that, you know, if she should have the choice. Yeah. She, sh- she should have the choice without the fear of penalty uh, of getting fined this money for not – for being able to have a choice of like, you know what? I just – I'm not in a space where I can be subjected to this because to your point, I think for the most part, um, most of the stuff that gets asked is pretty negatively focused um, and geared towards that. And then once it's out in the, in the you know, mm-hmm. general sphere, it gets manipulated and – destroyed and dragged through the mud. And I think that's most people's experience. But they sign these deals though. Like these athletes sign that they're going to do this, these media interviews and they collectively bargain in in, uh, in you know sports like baseball, basketball. Mm-hmm. The players unions collectively bargain these details. So yep. I, if you're playing devil's advocate on the other side, they could say, well, why don't you negotiate to do things differently? Why didn't you negotiate right. when we were all at the table together? You signed. You guys agreed to this. Yep. This is your responsibility. You know, I can see where they're coming from too. Yeah, oh, I I see both. I, I definitely I yeah. see both sides for for sure. And I think that could be something like again in terms of like the bigger picture, that could be something that they could talk about how to mitigate that mm-hmm. moving forward. Because right, I I I get it, um, but I don't I don't agree with it. Right. right. Um. So I think that that that's sort of like a th- the more meta, mm-hmm. I guess, conversation of like how to fix that interaction. And then the micro is like how to support the athletes who, like you said, have signed these contracts, mm-hmm. are expected to do these types of things. So how do you support them like in the moment of like how do you get through these interviews that we have to do yeah. um, or just suffer the consequence of of the fine and, and, and do it that well, way? This is, so this is where my question to you is like – and I don't know how this works. I'm not sure if you do. But like if, if a player got injured in a match – and they couldn't walk, would they be expected to do interviews? Hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I don't think they'd be fine either. I think no. it'd be like, they need medical attention, whatever. This is where like the, like the mental health, I, if a person's in a, a rough enough place with depression and anxiety, that is no different in my opinion. Yeah. And like if they're not in a place to be able to talk out of fear that it's going to harm them, right. any, just like walking up to a podium if your like, leg is broken or whatever. Yep. 
I don't know. I feel like they should be given the same leeway. I agree. Yeah, so, you don't you don't see a lot of like hockey players who have gotten a concussion, had to go to the hospital, have to come up and do their post game interview. Like, exactly. hey, walk walk me through exactly. that your head getting rung up right, and, right against the boards. Right. Yes. Of course it is. It's definitely a double stance. It's a, right. it's a good point that they should be seen sort of on equal playing fields, but they're definitely not. They're not, and that's no. where I think like maybe you don't even have to collectively bargain it because it's like it's considered health. Right. And if it's health related, now I know. This is where, like, I think the sports world just doesn't trust the mental health side yet enough, and they're going to call, like, you know, they're just going to assume a person's lying or that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's where it's like you just have to trust the person in terms of what they're saying. And are some people going to lie about it? Maybe. But I think the masses are not going to make shit up. They're just going to say, like, look, I can't I can't go. I can't right. do it right now. That yeah. kind of thing. Yep. Um, so, I want to kick it to Kyrie. I mean, we'll, we don't have too much time, but we'll, we'll kind of cover this quickly. We, if you if you haven't checked it out yet, we did an episode on Kyrie and communication, which is is seeming prophetic at this point, given mm-hmm. what, what's taken place. I think it's our eleventh episode, but you can just look, search for the Grim Drive uh, podcast, and look for Kyrie Irving and communication. This kind of comes on the heel of that because we talked about his tendencies when it comes to communication. He is kind of an enigma, and he has, uh, you know, a lot of his teammates say he's a great teammate. He's had other teammates clearly say different things. Uh, I think as a fan, it was very frustrating to have him on a team in this. I, I don't even when things were going well. I was not a huge fan of Kyrie as a person. I felt like he threw teammates under the bus pretty regularly. I felt like he gaslights the media and, and just makes problems for himself and for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of relates because recently, you know, he he brought up the city of Boston, right, as mm-hmm. a, uh, um, you know, he hopes they keep it to basketball. Basically saying like, in my opinion, gaslighting the racism uh, topic, just throwing that out there to be chewed up uh, and spit out multiple times to take attention off of himself, mm-hmm. right? And in my opinion, that's what he was doing. It wasn't about, because uh, he said in the past, now I don't know, he said in the past that he's never been subjected to racism in Boston. Now that could have happened since, so I don't know. If mm-hmm. he says he, he has now, I, I don't, I haven't heard that, but I'll believe him. Yep. Um, but so he throws that out there and if it was about that, I'd say fine, like fair enough. And there's a lot of other athletes that have said that about Boston. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be out of the realm of, of, no. of what's realistic. But knowing Kyrie, that's not why he did it. I, he did it to, to take focus off of him coming back to the city that hates him now. And they hate him because of what he did, you know, the lies and saying he'd stay and not and then really sandbagging it in the playoffs and all the stuff that fans hate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, it, it's kind of – I think it was – validated by Jalen Brown who came out and said like I, I don't really agree I don't I'm paraphrasing here but I don't agree with it being you know this topic being thrown out there to take focus off of a playoff game that kind of thing right, right. yeah um, and to me that's like I really agree with that and I'm biased towards Jalen Brown because I, I love him as a person a player he's just yeah. a great guy but um, to me that's exactly what I was thinking when I first heard Kyrie say it I was like oh man you're gonna intentionally create this storm to me, that's the opposite of what you want to do if you actually care about racism, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's what Jalen Brown was saying. Like, if you care about racism, don't bring it up in this context where that's just going right. to, you know, uh, hit the beehive. Like, bring do something constructive outside right. of a playoff game, that kind of – which I think Kyrie has done in other ways too. So, to yep. be fair. Um, so, then – so, there's that whole thing, right? Then he steps on the logo after the game. And whether that's connected or not, some guy throws a beer at uh, – oh, sorry, water, water bottle, bottle, which was maybe partially filled at yeah. him. Filled at him. And I think those all things happen in the same game. Are they the same topic? No. I think to me, it. I don't think – for those who say these topics need to be discussed separately, I mean, give me a break. Like I think everyone who, who watched that game knows that these aren't compared. It's not like you're comparing someone stepping on a, a piece of wood 
with a fake made-up logo to someone throwing an object right. at somebody. Yeah. But they happened close together in the same night in the same context. So, so obviously, talk about it together. Yeah. They're going to be linked in right. some way. It doesn't mean that they're considered the same. I no. think this is one of those like Twitter things where people just go nuts and they're like, oh, how dare you? And give me a break. You right. Know, use our common sense here. Yeah. So, I want to kick it to you a little bit. What, what do you think about, you know, we can start wherever you want with the Kyrie thing in terms of what's happened recently. Oh man, it's a that's a big a big question. Uh, the you know I think for him I think based on his previous behaviors and again we can't speculate we're not in his mind we don't talk to him we have really no idea but yeah. based on his previous examples the comments he made post before the playoff game do fit a pattern for him of how can I make this not about me. Um, and, and then blame other back. people. And then blame other people, yeah, right? Media, so fans, uh, yeah. right. It's always been the media. It's been the players. It's been the people around me, and it's it's very rarely been about him. So, um, and again, I, I think he's he's a tough conversation because I see him through multiple lenses, mm-hmm. right? As a fan of Boston, I hate the guy, yeah. right? Hate him and fan it, hate, fan yeah, hate, right? Not real, uh, not real hate, fan hate, because um, he can drop 40 points against you in the playoffs and yeah, destroy yeah. your hopes of making yes. it past that round. So, um, or stepping on the logo, like a fan thing, you're like, Oh yeah, you got yeah. all fired up about yeah. it. Right. But from then, um, and, and from a, from a clinician standpoint, he does a lot of stuff for men, for his own mental health, like taking time away and things like that. And meditating. Can, and meditating. And, yes, and he yes, does a lot yep. of things to promote like positive behaviors for athletes within that spell. So it's, it's, it's hard. You have to sort of like compartmentalize. Okay. Can I stop you for a second? Places. Cause you're totally yeah. hitting a point that makes this so confusing to me because he's almost like, I just wish someone else besides Kyrie has started to become like the beacon of mental health days. <laughs> He's like the worst person yeah. for that to be in my opinion because I actually think it's going to work to the detriment of that being accepted widely Yeah, because of how he do- – he's manipulative and he does things in a way that are like – I actually think it's going to make the league and owners like less likely to allow this for other people because yeah. they just – if he's the spokesperson for it, I think it takes away credibility for it because of how untrustworthy he is in different ways. But yeah. I don't know. I think that's what you're touching on. Yeah. And I, I, so it's it's hard because it's you, I do have to like purposely remind myself. I'm like, okay, how am I thinking about him right now? Yeah. Um, as an advocate for mental health, great. He talks about it. Ta- he took took time away to get himself squared away. I respect that. Um, I really don't appreciate some of his behaviors, yeah. right? I really don't appreciate the, like you said, the gaslight in the media or constantly trying to make it about anyone else besides himself or taking much accountability for anything or when he does take accountability you know it's sort of like the i'm sorry you felt that way type of vibe it's not like taking full accountability when he created the whole thing when it right so it's it's hard to buy into that for him of like well that doesn't really still sit with me well yeah and i think there's a reason for that and i think that it 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 happens Consistently, yeah. he's pretty consistent with making the same type of pattern mistakes. Of he's a manipulator of, for sure. Like the sage thing in Boston, like sprinkling sage. Yeah. I do this with everywhere. No, you don't. Yeah, it's me right? being me. It's me being me. Which, no, and you it's don't like do the, this. There's plausible deniability there, and this is like right. it's classic manipulation. What he does, right. and this is why, like, not even as a fan. Beyond that, as a clinician, as a person, he concerns me with some of this stuff mm-hmm. because I think we know in our work, like you see some of the subtle things he does and how he does it in a way that allows him to cover his tracks. It's very it, – to me, it's very nerve-wracking in terms of how manipulative and, mm-hmm. and skilled with manipulation it is because he gives himself those outs. He gives himself plausible deniability like, what are you going to tell me? I can't just be myself and there's nothing you can say to it right. and yet you're, all your logic and your awareness is like, give me a break. Like right. you're spreading a sage smoke thing <laughs> around the, the perimeter of a court when you know the camera's on you. Right. You 
know what you're doing, man. So, right. But then he'll tell you like, no, I'm just being me. Just and there's being nothing me. you can say. Right. It makes you go nuts. That is gaslighting to yeah. me in, 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 in a nutshell. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I think again, it's, it's, it's easy, it's easy for us to, you know, speculate and sort of like drive ourselves mad about it without really knowing like what's going in. And, and, and maybe there's some truth to it, right? Maybe we can give him a shred of benefit of the doubt of like, maybe he does sages all the courts and we just don't see it. I doubt that very much. Yeah. So, um, so I want to be careful to not like get too much into like speculating about mm-hmm, him, mm-hmm. but it is, it's when it happens consistently and over and over and over again, it does remove that from it, right? Yes. It does remove that benefit of the doubt. If you're like, well, yes. if you were constantly doing this, man, like there might be something to that. Correct. And it's it's infuriating yeah. to to be both a fan, but just as a person to like see these types of things. And I do think, and he's even been spoken about this of like he will mess with the media like on purpose, mm-hmm. like he'll he'll do that on purpose because, yep. and he's been pretty outspoken about the media in general and it's you know toxicity and terribleness about mm-hmm. it, and he's been pretty outspoken about it. So I do. It's hard to determine like. What is what's his purpose for doing? Yeah. Is it just to like mess with us to do things? Is there is he really trying to be sincere? I haven't really honestly, I haven't quite seen sincerity yes, from exactly. him yet. Exactly. Um. So it's hard for me to get there. Um. But it's it. I always have to like when I'm the topic of Kyrie's coming in, I have to like be purposeful about like okay, how am I seeing him right yeah. now? Because like I said, it's it's a different it's a different phase. Yeah. It's either like I really don't like him as a fan. I can respect what he's trying to do for mental health, but I agree with you. I think that it's going to end up backfiring because owners are going to be like, come on, like we can't do this. Of like you know, taking mental health days, they're just going to be like, well, look, well, Kyrie, without, without how, communicating how, too, how like, Kyrie he, does it, right? Exactly. Just, he just like, took just off gonna, and didn't tell anybody, right? He's just going to peace out, right? Yeah. It's going to end up really bad. It's a bad example for younger players, in my opinion. But. I agree, and 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 mental health in sports is already an uphill battle. It's yeah. already hard enough to get athletes to buy in. Why doing preventative work and doing work with a clinician is so important, mm-hmm. um, especially in the as an as a professional athlete to have that working against it is just it's as a clinician it's frustrating. Yep, absolutely. I think. Um, if you contrast that with like Dak Prescott, someone who, if he came out and said he was taking a mental health day, I mean, it, I mean, I'm, I, it's my personal opinion, but I would trust that 100%. I wouldn't mm-hmm. think he has any other motives or that no. he's like disingenuous in any way. Uh, so I think that's where like, I, I, I hope someone else in the NBA kind of slips into that role a little bit because I think it would be better overall for the main goal. The main goal is that mental yeah. health is more accepted and players are allowed to take these days without any controversy. I don't know if Kyrie is the spokesperson, the leader for that, that that's actually going to happen. So Yeah, and Kyrie, if yeah, cuz I know you're listening obviously uh to our <laughs> to our podcast here. It, I would really be interested in trying to figure out like what might be going on in like a place that he could come and talk and be non-judgmental. I'd like yeah. you to come on the show. I know you're like I said I well we should hear from you any minute now. Um <laughs> but I would love to kind of get an understanding of it because I think a lot of people would really benefit from hearing like yep. his like his authentic side of what's yeah. going on. I, I don't know if that'll end up happening, but it would be interesting to hear like a I agree real response from him. I agree, I agree. And so, um, you know, at the end of the game, he is, you know, he's the the object is thrown at him, and we've seen in in a short span, I think in the span of a week, we saw like multiple like popcorn dropped on somebody. I think dropped on Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw. That happened to Kyrie. I think that uh, oh, someone at the New York Knicks game, uh, Knicks fans spit on, tried to spit at Trey Young on the. Did you catch that I did on the court that. side? Yeah. So there was a lot of things in the span of a week, and it brought up this conversation about fan behavior. And like you know, the question I guess we should consider is like, is it getting worse? And if so, why? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if it's getting worse. Yeah. I feel like it's always been there. I feel like fan behavior and, and to some extent has been like was worse beforehand. I think we're seeing it more. Uh, I agree. Completely. I think it's just it's more accessible. Where we've we've got cameras and mics, everything, and we're seeing more of it. Um, and it's more of a it's more of a narrative now. Because I think, and I think also because this has been one benefit for um, athletes having their own platform is that athletes are talking about it. So I think it's just been more. I don't think it's one of those situations where like oh all of a sudden it's a problem. I think it's it's been a problem, and now we're just really starting to fully understand how bad it's been for some of these players because they've been more outspoken about it. I agree. I think there's some factors I, I, I note, noted down for this episode like that I think contribute to it happening in general right now, like influencer culture, uh, the pandemic, mm-hmm. right? people, fans maybe struggling with mental health and, and being irrational after the pandemic. Alcohol, obviously, is mm-hmm. usually involved with the people that make these decisions. Uh, maturity and the need to impress. You tend to see a lot of young guys making doing these kinds of things, throwing yep. objects. They're around their friends. They want to look funny. Yeah. That kind of immature crap that tends to happen with people under 25, guys under 25 especially. Um, entitlement. I definitely think that's the people that do this tend to be a little bit entitled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those are all factors that that play into this and that being said i don't think it's worse i actually think it's it's less it happens uh less than it used to i i think it like you said it's more cameras attention accountability equal more visibility but i don't think it's actually happening more right now i think it used to happen a lot less back or happen a lot more back in the day and just was captured less and the reaction was less right i think Mm -hmm. um you know with less with fewer cameras on it and with less of an uproar amongst the the media People didn't cover it as much, but it definitely happened much, much more back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even in Philly, I think there was a serious instance where like hard objects, like batteries or things like that, were thrown. Yeah. So like, yeah, and I'm sure it's happened at the Garden too. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely yep. happened. T- yeah, definitely yeah, happened at the Garden for sure. as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that's where we're going to wrap it up for today on this episode of the Grim Drive Pro- Podcast. We appreciate uh, everyone tuning in for this one. Uh, this one was about. Let's see, interviews and fan behavior, and we covered Naomi Osaka and Kyrie Irving. We'll be back next week to talk about identity and profession. Thanks.